Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, this is Kim Marcellus, Senior Editor at McKnight's Long-Term Care News. I'm joined today by Donna Kelsey, Senior Advisor at American Senior Communities, which operates in more than 100 locations across Indiana. Donna recently stepped back from her role as CEO after seven years, but she's staying on board at ASC to shepherd the organization's government advocacy and leadership development programs. Today, I'll be talking with Donna about her passion for growing new leaders and the evolution of ASC's Pathways program. If you want to just start at the beginning and explain to me what it is you're working on, if it's really a program, if it's to leave something as a legacy as you leave the company. So I'm going to just start at the beginning and, and what is it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> Everybody says that in the beginning, but it is a pleasure to be able to talk about something that's proactive for a change in the world that we live in. And certainly uh, leadership development is a proactive way to really improve our staff and effects of quality care. So what am I doing? So we we, as I think also a profession, and certainly with American senior communities, spend a lot of time on what I call the nuts and bolts. We want to teach how to use our computer systems, <laughs> how do you do the electronic, uh, electronic medical record. The days of just flipping through a chart was you know, a lot easier than what we do now, but HRIS, our financial systems, all of those nuts and regulations, comp, EOCs, all of the nuts and bolts we spend a lot of time doing, but the actual development of how you become a leader or how you improve your leadership gets pushed to the back burner because it's soft. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, you don't leave with per se a skill. So we um, said to ourselves, you know, we, we have a program called Pathways Grow with ASC, um, where we look at, uh, you know, when we bring people in, we advertise your career process with us. Okay. So, we have education reimbursement and opportunities for CNAs to go to LPNs and LPNs to RNs, both by internally coaching them as well as paying for their education. We have preceptor programs for our CNAs and for culinary. And we have emerging leaders, which is our AIT program, where we take, you know, where we are very fortunate to be supported through our funding to be able to have uh, two or three AITs going. But what I'm looking at is how do I take the people who now have been here, the they have the nuts and bolts and they have two years and they're looking around and now they're saying, what next? How do we bring them out of the buildings and say, okay, let's look at what you can do to um, that might be different and how we can help you improve your, your skills. I look at skills as what you do, you know, it's you come away with, well, a skill. And then the coaching part of it is how do I take that skill? How do I watch you use that skill in action? And then you get better at it. So we wanted to make sure that our leadership development program met the needs of the folks that we're targeting. So the first thing we did was we sent out a questionnaire and just a short one. And, and one of the questions was, how important is leadership development at ASC on a scale of one to five? And 4.9 said, yes, it is one of the most important things that you could do for us. And having the 4.9 out of five shows that there's a lot of people out there that are ready, ready to hear some new things that are positive and, and really help us build their, their leadership traits. So and was this across job roles? 
This was for our executive directors, our directors of nursing, and our home office teams. And our home office teams, they have to have kind of a different leadership style. They have to be able to inspire and persuade in order to get change in the building. Whereas the DNSs and EDs have more controls. You know, when they agree to do something and they execute it, it should be able to be get done. So okay. again, EDs, DNSs are in our home office teams. So we asked them, what is the biggest leadership challenges facing leaders today? And you might find this hard to believe it had to do with people. <laughs> so motivating employees, building effective teams and developing people. And these are the things that they felt that, you know, again, they needed some, I won't say training, but some time on how to help them overcome these leadership challenges or meet them. Now we asked them what's the most important skill for a leader today. Again, this is not surprising. And that was communication. And 10 habits of highly effective people, Covey will tell you, the number one, the one trait that makes a leader successful is communication. That was followed by accountability and having difficult conversations, which when I look at, when I look at um, the difficulty that our leaders have, and that is managing conflict and being able to confront others skillfully so that you're not telling them what they do. Well, you are going to tell them what they're doing bad, but you're going to do it in a way that says, we want you to do better. We want you to be successful. We need you to grow with us. And in order for you to grow with us, here are the things that we would like to see you improve on. The programs that you mentioned at the beginning that were existing are very role dependent. The AIT, the culinary program, the, the ladders. This really is for anyone that you identify in your organization who could be or wants to be more of a leader. And it's, it's giving them that skill set for leadership, not necessarily for a job. Correct. That's fair. Okay. That, that's very fair. Um, that's exactly correct. Can I, can I go back to the beginning? I, I know you sure. have sent out these surveys, but I know you have a military background, have been a leader in many different settings. How do you see potential leaders who aren't there yet? Like what are the attributes or qualities that you really think work in this sector to become a leader? Well, that's an excellent question. You know, it, it's not one type, obviously. And also, so, so what do I see? You have to want to do it, believe it or not. That's number one. When you beg them to come into a program, sometimes it works, but mostly they have to want to do it. Okay. Uh, depending on what role it is, there's certainly intelligence as part of it. And that ability to judge, that ability to want to learn. If you're going to be a culinary manager, you kind of have to get to the books and understand cooking and all of that. If you're going to be the ED, you're going to have to understand, again, the nuts and bolts of your regulatory environment. As painful as it is to read the 800 pages, <laughs> if you don't, then, you know, your enemy knows more than you do, so to speak. And I, I don't mean that the state's the enemy, but you want to know as much as they do about how they're looking at you. So, and that goes into nursing and everything, you know, pretty much all positions. So certainly education, experience, I look for, have you ever led anybody? So if you want to jump from, I'm really good in my job to now I'm ready to manage a hundred people, it's going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So in the career development, we say, okay, that's what you want to do. Let's find something that you have people who work for you, or at the very least, you have small children that tell you no. 
Because, <laughs> oh, I'm very experienced then. I'm ready. <laughs> right. You probably are because if no one has ever told you no, then you, again, it's very hard to learn how to confront others skillfully or manage conflicts. But so I look for people aren't going to do what you would like simply by you telling them. Communication is another one that is the top of the line. I think it's Simon, whatever his name is, Cinemac, that says what you think is how you act is how you communicate. So even though you have not been a leader, we see the quality of you being able to be passionate and empathetic to those around you, not necessarily with the training, but that would help you. But you have that calling that you actually, again, communicate well, just because you already walk the walk and you care about people. So the reason I asked that question is, you know, I think because of all the turnover that we've seen, not just on the front line, but at the leadership levels now, um, and again, I'm talking nationally, not about ASC, right. it is got to be really tough for you all to identify and teach leadership because sometimes you are calling up people who, one, think they're not ready, or two, think this is not the job for them. And and sometimes I think it's, uh, you know, not about convincing somebody to do the job, but convincing them that you see something in them that they can yes. do the job. Yes. So I agree with that 100%. And that goes to the communication and personality that we see in them. For example, one of my, I guess, things that I think back on in my career, you know, I was at a convention and this woman walked up to me and said, do you remember me? And I said, well, I need to be honest. No. She says, well, I was, a, I was a CNA when you were an executive director. And you took me aside and said, you really need to be more. And uh, you said, we need to get you some education because you're, you told me I was very talented. And uh, now I'm a director of nursing. I became an LPN and an RN, and now I'm a director of nursing. And I said, should I apologize for that? <laughs> <laughs> she said, no, no, it's very good. So you are correct in looking at talent. But I will tell you that some of the things she said would be exactly what I said it would, would have seen, which is I go above and beyond. I speak well to the residents. I want to do more than I've been doing. I may not want to be in charge, but what I do, I do really well. Well, let me go back to the program because I interrupted you there, but you yeah. were saying the next step is formulating how the people who are going through the program will interact or implement it in their different roles and with their colleagues. So take it from there. I mean, you know, what is the ultimate goal and, and is there kind of a quantitative role or, or goal as well as a quantitative or qualitative goal? Wow, all of a sudden I can't speak. Um, no, that's, yeah. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> do, do you want to put, you know, 50 people a year through this program? And, and again, yeah. assuming that it continues after you've established it, kind of the, the broader thought about how it strengthens the organization. Those are, those are big questions. So the answer to that is yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, there you go. So one of the successes we've, many of the successes we have is our administrator and training program. And we do cohort them. A couple of years ago, we took one and we took another one and we took, so we said, well, we have to stop that. Let us do it all together and have a cohort and let us follow them through so that when they leave the administrator training program, we have a really good feel of what buildings they can have. One okay. of the successes there was they have a cohort and they can talk to each other. So one of the goals in this is to have a cohort of people who can help each other or talk about problems or challenges. So let me go back and we are still in the beta phase uh, of determining the best way to do this. 
I will give a shout out to Cardone, who is another company here in Indianapolis who started a, a leadership academy for emerging uh, for leaders, not just necessarily uh, emerging leaders. I don't think our program will be quite like theirs, but I did spend time, so I didn't want to reinvent the wheel or anything okay. that we have, and I wanted to get as quickly as possible this going. I think the number one rule is keep it simple. Always a good way to have a program carry on if it's simple enough. So I think we'll start with a smaller cohort of 12 to 20, and we'll start with in-person learning and then do a probably a Teams and then Elias have a back in, discuss books, and just keep it fun and useful to them and not a day-to-day project. Well, let me go back, kind of lump this in with my other question, but I want to give you a chance, a closing comment in terms of these 12 to 20 people that you might put through and in a cohort. How does that build up to strengthen the overall organization? What are you bringing from the bottom up then? Well, I like to think any kind of training and learning is going to strengthen everybody around them. If we have leaders in the building that are strong, that care for people, that are independent, that can make good decisions, of course, have empathy and all those other wonderful things, then everybody's life becomes easier because they're going to keep their staff. We have, you know, that 20% of the buildings that are just killing it. There's low turnover and there's no, you know, contract labor and they're making plan. And then we have those bottom 20, and I hate to call them bottom, those challenge 20 that due to location, physical plant type of residence, makes it more challenging to keep staff in them Mm -hmm. because of the challenges of just where the building is. So I think one of our goals in here is to help that 20% have the skill set to say, yeah, this is a challenge building. I'm going to have the top, you know, a couple of the top because the top will get better and help the ones that are challenged and really not the bottom. They're really challenged for many reasons. If we can strengthen those bottom 20, the whole company is going to get better. Donna, thanks so much for sharing these details and your vision for the future of nursing home leadership. For McKnight's, this is Kim Marcellus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit mcknights.com.